Hey, everybody, if you can't tell, I brought some crud back home with me from Denver. Joe, the neighbor, and I jetted out to Denver to represent Houndsman at the Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management at the Colorado Convention Center. We were in the booth with Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management. Shorty Gorm was on site, Cody Lostro. We just had a great time talking to people in Denver this past weekend and talking to them about responsible wildlife management and about combating and voting no on the ballot initiatives that are coming up in 2024. I left there feeling pretty good about everything on this ballot initiative and the fight. Dan Gates has really coordinated a great effort there to combat this thing. And when I see people making negative comments on social media, and we had several come up to the booth too that said, well, this is a done deal. We'll never win this. Why would you say that? I'm telling you, you can't go down without fighting. But I think I don't think we're going down at all. Seriously. I mean, people are have made comments like, you know, we need to get the other conservation organizations on board. They're on board. Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is totally on board. They're putting their media power, their money, all of it. Wild Sheep Foundation doing a big hunt uh, auction at the Wild Sheep Foundation this past weekend after this podcast comes out. So don't despair and don't be discouraging on this thing. We're never going to get anywhere if we're walking around with our heads down and, and thinking that we've lost mountain lion and bobcat hunting in Colorado. I'm telling you, I am hopeful, more than hopeful. I'm optimistic. I think it can be done. But due to a lot of different stuff going on, I wanted to spend a little bit of time here in this pre-roll and let you know we're going to run uh, hand-to-hand with a 400 pound bear again because of the fact that I've been in bed sick, maybe being a little bit of a sissy. I don't know. I haven't felt like a sissy. I felt like somebody ran over me with a truck and the timing couldn't be worse for all of that. We had a short week with, with the trip to Denver and, and, um, fighting out there for houndsman's freedoms and rights. Just introduced a Bobcat bill here in Indiana fighting to save it in Colorado and Indiana's trying to figure out a way to, to hunt some bobcats. So that's going on. Also big news. My daughter's getting married. She'll, she'll be married by the time this comes out. So a lot of stuff going on. And I just wanted to run one of my all time favorite shows again for you, instead of trying to take three or four hours and, and edit and do everything to a new show. One of my favorite all time was with Bridger Petrini hand to hand with a 400 pound bear. It's worth listening to again. Hope you guys enjoy it. We'll be back to our regular scheduled programming a week from today. And when that show comes out, it will be on the new Houndsman XP podcast network and you're going to be picking that up on a new feed. So make sure that after today, you're searching for the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. You're going you're gonna to need to get all of that in there. You're going to be able to search individually for, for Bryce's show, Semper Doggin, or Heath's show, um, 
the journey, Jonathan Munya show, um, Falconry Chronicles. I'm stuttering around. I'm all doped up on all kinds of stuff here, but uh, we'll get it out there. But guys, in the meantime, enjoy this episode hand-to-hand with a 400-pound bear. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. Podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out there? As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. Welcome to the Houndsman XP Podcast. I am your host, Chris Powell, and this particular episode is unlike anything I've ever heard, let alone recorded. The terms epic and awesome, they get thrown around and they get used all the time. They're overused, but this story from Bridger Petrini will have you on the edge of your seat, I promise you. Bridger Petrini is a, a longtime houndsman and the owner and operator of Tri-State Outfitters out of northern New Mexico. And I got the opportunity to meet Bridger at one of the ranches that he outfits on, and we recorded this story. And the reason it is so awesome is it, it, it takes in so many aspects of what we do as houndsmen, but it takes it as notch up. I mean, this is a story about survival. It's a story about mental toughness. It's about being prepared for a situation that we all know can happen as houndsmen. It's a story about being attacked by a 400-pound bear that nearly cost Bridger his life, and he still overcomes some disabilities, some some physical barriers from this event. Bridger Petrini was introduced to me by Josh Whitaker of Whitaker Brothers Hunting. 
And Anthony Pace of Freedom Hunters. Bridger also outfits Freedom Hunters with some elk hunts every year. I was hanging on the edge of my seat an hour and five minutes into this thing, an hour and 15 minutes in. And Bridger does an awesome job of telling this story. He's not ashamed of what happens. He talks about things that he should have done and could have done differently. What led up to this event is something that if you've hunted bear with hounds, we've all been here. We've all at times taken for granted what could happen. And Bridger lays it all out for us. I don't want to drag out this pre-roll because this story is too good not to dive right into. So let's get the tailgate down. This is a box shaker for sure. And it's time to dump the box. Bridger, how, how long have you been? Have you, are you a native to northern New Mexico? I am not. <clears throat> um, I was raised in... <clears throat> Excuse me. I was raised in northwestern Colorado, just okay. south of Steamboat Springs yeah. in the Yampa Valley. How'd you end up down here? Um, my dad, uh, the guy that owns this ranch here that we're on, the TO, my dad uh, was leasing a ranch forever in Colorado, and that ranch was bought by this guy here. Okay. And that's how we got into bed with him, so to speak. And so he bought that ranch in Colorado and was going to get rid of my dad but the previous owner loved my dad and he begged him on my dad's behalf to continue the lease with him, you know, because it was a huge deal for my dad financially. That at the time was the biggest ranch. It was about 22,000 acres. And that was by far and away the biggest ranch we had because where, yeah. we, where we come from private land, there just wasn't, there's was a few of them, but not, not like down here, the big mm -hmm. ranches. And, um, anyways, he, he, he convinced him to try my dad for one year. So they, he, he met with him. He said he'd give him, one year and he'd try it and see how it worked out so we went through the the first year and that would have been about um i guess it had been 98 98 or 99 and he he did a trial run with him he ended up really liking my dad and uh they they moved on to like a three-year deal and when they were working that deal there he told him he said i i just bought the to in new mexico he said i i don't want to deal with a bunch of different outfitters do you want it too and my dad about fell out of his chair, you know. And, uh, of course, he did. He wanted it. And uh, I guess that had to have been 99 when they reworked the deal anyways. Yeah. I think the first year was 98. And, uh, you know, dad, yes, you know, he, he'd do it. And so he got the lease on this, and, and, he, and, and uh, I, he sent me down here in the spring of 2000 to learn the ranch. And, you know, I had it's huge, obviously, and it's actually grown a pile since then. Mm -hmm. but, to, to get around it and learn it and things like that. And I posted signs and did some different things. And so that's what got me here initially. And the ranch manager at the time was showing me around and showing me country and stuff like that. He's now my father-in-law. So, <laughs> so he'd, uh, he'd uh, made the mistake of introducing me to his daughter that summer, my wife, Janelle, who's, um, she, she was at school in Canyon, Texas there. And, um, she come home that summer and we started dating and we were engaged in six months and married in another six months. So no kidding. Married a year later and I've never left. Yeah. We've moved once. We lived here at headquarters one, uh, initially right in that second house, that little, that's called the cook house. Right. And then, uh, we moved down to the box camp where we're at right so now. So you're really, how long have you been on the TO now? So 23 years. 23 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. 23 years. 98,000 acres. Is that how much it is? No, it's about 225,000 acres. 
Are you kidding me? I'm not. No, it, the original piece was a hundred thousand, like a hundred and one thousand. Well, it had shrunk over the years, uh-huh. and then when this guy bought it, he uh, he tried to piece a lot of it back on the historical stuff, and some of it's not like where we live now. That was an add-on. It, it, it historically was the to, and so now it, it, it. And then he bought a place over here north of Des Moines too that we add, that we count on that. It's called the to East. Nice. And so in total, it's about two hundred twenty-five thousand acres. That'll and, keep and, you busy. Right, right. And now we lease, I think, I can't even remember. It's on our website, but it's we lease like 900,000 acres. So what's, the name of your, what's the name of your outfitting business? It's Tri-State Outfitters. Tri-State Outfitters. Yeah. We're only two states now. We actually are kind of, we've really just partnered on a deal in Florida. So we're, um, we're back to three states again, but we've been only two states. But it's been Tri-State forever, so we didn't see any sense in changing the name. Sure. But, uh, yeah, we've. We've, uh, it's, it's come a long ways. I bought my dad out in 2010. And so that's, uh, so what states does it include? Colorado, Colorado, New Mexico, New Mexico. and now Florida. And I now guess. Florida. Yeah. What was yeah. the try before? Was it, there... it, it varied when mom and dad, uh, they had a different name initially. And uh, when they started outfitting mm-hmm. and, um, they, they, he was just kind of doing it as a side deal to ranching and gotcha. we were ranching with my granddad up in Northern Colorado. And uh, they they had a different name initially, and then they. But but to answer your question, I believe I get asked this a lot. I think it was Wyoming, Colorado, and Utah. Yeah, that was the three states there. That makes sense. Tri states, but then that varied over the years. It was Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, and then at one time we were in five states and two countries. We were in Mexico, so we used to joke about that. But yeah, um, we we've got so much land now leased that we didn't. You know, I'm not. Oh, I've always I'll lease good country that's close around or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm always looking for country. But I don't want to go states away. You know, it would take a big deal to do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, you've been you've been in the outfitting business your whole life, then. I have. We've we've always we ranched and we still ranch now, and and uh, we do other things. We build fence in the summertime. We've got some heavy equipment. We do mulching, like fire mitigation yeah. stuff. We got yeah. skid steer size up to excavator with drum mulchers, and mm-hmm. and then we build fence. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Whatever, you know, we just like to work and yeah. there's no point in sitting around. So we uh, we do that. We mess with <laughs> real estate a little bit and just anything we can do. Seems to be a theme for, you know, cowboys and ranchers out here. Mm-hmm. You just can't get them to sit still. They're always, there's always something to do. Yeah, there's only so much time <laughs> in a day and a guy only gets so many days. So gotta... I'll tell you what, man, this country is crazy. Um, it's different than any place I've ever, you know, turned dogs, dogs loose in. Mm-hmm. Um we were on the Navajo a couple years ago, and um, that was cool. Mm-hmm. But this Mesa country blows my mind. I started doing research on, you know, why mesas are flat on top, and it's got to do with, you know, lava composites are harder right. than than sedentary rock, and and so it was all volcan- volcano country. Right, right. it and, is. And the dogs know it. I I thought I had my dog's feet ready. They, com- it's impossible. Yeah, I yeah, you can't. It. I mean, you just got to rotate them. That's the thing. If you're hunting hard, yeah, you can't hunt them day after day here. Right. You can't. This is hard country. It is. We don't get a lot of snow here, you know, for lion hunting. You know, so it's it's it. Uh, but it's tough. You know, big rims and they're not giant, but they're big enough that critters get away in them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm it's, looking out the window of the lodge here at the TO, and just yeah. this this rock face going up on top of this mesa right here. You know, bear skirt up through there. Yeah, or a lion, or whatever. I right. mean, it's it's going to take some time for even a good dog to figure Absolutely. out which direction they went. Yep. And then your weather is the craziest thing. Like the other morning, we were trailing um, 
we were trailing a lion and the dew was on, you know, just good trailing, good trailing, good trailing. Sun comes out and boom. Adios. It's over. See, it's over. Yep. You know. Or vice versa. You're trailing <clears> in the evening, the dew falls, it's over. And yeah. It, yeah, it's wild. We get a lot of wind, which is not a lot yeah. of fun. Different yeah. times of the year. So. I mean, New Mexico is not unique to, to dew and, and stuff like that, but it's so dry. Right. It's a massive change. I'm yeah. telling you, man, when I got here, when I got here um, last Wednesday, a week ago, you know, about 10 days ago, it just came off a big rain, and it was lush green. And until we got that rain the other day, and the, just the, like six days, yeah. I watched the grass turn. It was drying out. Yeah, it was brown. This yeah. country uses it quick. Quick, yeah. That moisture. Yeah, it's strong. It's when, it, when you grow grass, it's amazingly strong. Yeah. Yeah. I bet the roots are deep, deep. Yeah, yeah, and it's just great feed. You know, yeah. You put 300 pounds on a yearling here in a season, you know. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, how long have you been in hounds? You've done that your whole – I haven't done it my whole life. Um, my dad didn't have hounds. He was a hunter, you know, for sure, sure. but he never had hounds. Um, and uh, they'd moved to Delta, Colorado um, in the, I guess, later 90s. And um, I had already left the nest, and um, I had been in South Texas. My sister lived down there, and I'd go down there and spend time with them and mm -hmm. just mess around day work, and we rodeoed and stuff like that. And i come home one summer, and um, they had built an arena in uh, a roping arena and uh, they had a guy move in pretty close that also roped and somehow they got introduced and they started roping with my parents it was john and debbie kane mm -hmm. and john kane was a great great hunter really really great hunter he come from patagonia down there in southern arizona yeah and uh i, I met john roping and got to visit him with him he was a government hunter and uh he did uh all hounds basically and he took care of all the all the sheep herds and stuff there on the west slope which is a lot you know i don't know how many probably millions of sheep and uh sure they get all that depredation stuff and he started telling me and i thought man that sounded really neat i'd, I'd run bobcats and hogs when i was a little bitty in texas we lived down there for a little while growing mm, up dad yeah. had a job down there and uh, i liked it then i remember really liking it but I, I hadn't really been around it since then i maybe coon hunted a time or two but i always thought it was really neat but anyways john asked me if i'd go with him uh, and I, of course, I said yes. And he, it was like one evening we were sitting there on our horses roping and just standing there talking. And he said that they, he just got a call and there's a bear got into some sheep and uh, they were having trouble. So I, I got up and we went up on the, I guess it's the Uncompagre Plateau up there on a big sheep. <laughs> this bear, I think it was more than one bear if I remember right, but the one, they'd killed a dozen ewes one night and they just eat their bags. Just smashed off them. them. Yeah, I smashed them. They eat their bags. Yeah, because they're lactating. They love that. It's like yeah. it to them. And uh, anyways, we uh, got up there, and I see it all the time now, and you do too. You know, we see tracks that people, normal people, don't right. see, and it's not that we're gifted. It's just it's developing an eye for it. You know, on a hard surface, we just see light smudges. And John's mm -hmm. saying there's this bear track going out through there, thinking he's crazy. There ain't no track <laughs> there. You know, he lets the dogs out and they rip out of there. I still don't believe nothing's going to happen. And they roared off in this big canyon and. You know, they start barking real heavily, and I don't understand any of this at the time, you know. And he says, they've got it caught. And I'm like, what do you mean they got it? He said, it's in a tree, you know. And so we go down there, and we get there, and there's this bear sitting on a limb. And I just, it was just absolute love at first sight. I couldn't get over it. And so we killed that bear. And I went with him some more, and um, he kind of helped me get lined up on some dogs. And they were all junk, of course, you know, junk for years. And, and uh, But anyways, that's the way it went. And that would have been... Um, 
that have been in like uh, 99 or 2000. Yeah, so I've, I guess mm-hmm. I've been hunting for 23, 24 years, something like that. Yeah. But I, I don't know if you called it hunting back then, but it was deer chasing. We all go chasing. through it. Yeah. You know, when you first start out, you just you just want to have a dog in the hunt. And, right. And it's the greatest dog you ever saw, yep. even if when it's not, yep. because you don't have anything to gauge it off of. Right, you have no and, idea. And you end up are, messing yeah. it up. That's Probably right. was a great dog before yeah. I got my hands on it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sure. it's funny you know it's it's so interesting you go around and you talk to guys that have been in hounds for a long time and everybody has uh similar stories you know how they got involved and mine was through an uncle and we've told that story on this podcast a few times but uh same thing it was just but i don't think that there's something inside of us that tri- that those hounds trigger because I'm the oldest of six, and I'm the only one in my family that's ever been a houndsman. Right. It's not know? for everybody. No. It's either in you or it isn't, I, I wonder guess. what the, what, what do you think it is? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know, but I'm like you. It was like the first time I saw it, I was just madly in love with it immediately. It was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if, I wish I could figure out what that is, you know, why, like, one of my brothers chose to do this, and I chose to do hounds, mm-hmm. you know. There's something there. It's right. got to be something mentally. Right. For me, you know, the the whole hound thing is just the idea of, you know, bringing the – at this point, you know, I've bred a line of hounds and mm-hmm. and messed around in that, and I don't consider myself a breeder. I can't even say I've bred a line of hounds. I've made some crosses on some hounds that have turned out really nice right. from the work of other people's good breeding. Right. And, yeah, they uh, all came from somewhere. Yeah. Everybody says it's my yeah. line. Well, they came no. from somewhere. You might have, you know, when you start crossing, I guess you could say that was your yeah, invention. You, yeah, but, but I'm not a breeder. I just, yeah. I just, but you do that. And, but backing up to that early days, you know, it was just like, I've got a dog. I'm, I'm taking it hunting. Remember the first time that your dogs actually caught game for you? Do you remember that? I did vividly. Yeah, vividly. Yeah, the first bear, the first lion, yeah. How to make you feel? Oh, it's unreal, yeah. Because it took a long time. It was really, really, really difficult. A long road to hoe, you know? Yeah. And then you're trying to hunt lion here, and it doesn't ever snow. And I don't really get that because I think that there's got to be snow, you know? And then I, But then obviously we know, you know, I, I knew it was possible. Sure. To, to do it without snow. Yeah. And, um, and so, but it's obviously lots tougher. <clears throat> I don't care who you are. It's way tougher. Um and so, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It was a long time. It took me two years, I guess, to catch a lion. There's a I, lot I of different challenges, years. you know, when you come to the Southwest to lion hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but every place every place has its challenges. I, Casey Stutzman, I was with him in Montana, and we had good we had snow, but it was melty, mushy. Mm-hmm. That's worse we had line tracks. We couldn't trail in that it's either. Worse than not having any snow. Yeah. And then and then it just cuts the dog's feet. Yeah. Ice crystals just wore yeah. the feet off of dogs. Yeah. You know, a lot of the same issues that we have, that you have here, just in a different, different climate, it's, you know. It's, a, it's all, cli- <clears throat> yeah, climate based. I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. I mean, you can take a, I've taken Indiana coon dogs and that good fluffy powdery snow that, that is going to hold some scent and yeah. caught some lions and they weren't right? lion dogs. Wow. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but it was just a freak thing. I brought counterfeits out here and trashed on a bear the other day and they caught an easy bear. Yeah. So, right. Right. Um, but it, it, and I, for me, Bridger, it's like, I hope I never figure it all out. 
that's the cool part, right? Yeah, you're always learning every time you go. Maybe not every time, but you're always there's always something that'll blow your mind. There's something to analyze. It's like, right. okay, why did why were we trailing so good, and then all of a sudden it shut off? Right. You know, why were we doing this, and the dogs did this? Mm-hmm. How can they not? Maybe you see the bear or the lion come out right. and cross a face, right. and then you see your dogs come across there. And it's like, how can they not know where that – he just went through there, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to process yeah. everything and learn. And yeah. Yeah, that whole running across the road deal. I, I, oh, yeah. I, guys will argue this with me, but I Dan Brayman is another guy. I don't know if you've heard know, of Dan. Oh, yeah, he's been on the podcast. Dan has? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Dan, Dan's hunted straight with – he's never missed a year since 1998. Yeah, we've grown up together, basically. Yeah. He's, he's about uh, – eight years, eight or nine years older than me. That's, that's cool that yeah. you met Dan. That's really cool. So Dan was a solid – he was my biggest mentor, really. He is a dog man through and through, Right. period. And he hunts bobcats primarily. That's, yep. That is what he does now. You know, he's got bird dogs. He's just – they love dogs, the whole family. Mm-hmm. The brothers all hunt, and his son hunts. And, um, y- you know, uh, Dan, I remember bobcat hunting in South Texas. I lived with him for a year down there and uh, before I was married, and – he would, uh, we'd see a cat run across the road. They've got lots and lots of bobcats. Here. Yeah. We'd see a cat run across It's a the golden road. triangle and for deer and bobcats. It is. It's <laughs> hogs, you know, coons. My gosh, I caught a million coons down there. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Dan? That's crazy. He'd, l- he'd let me go hunt coons, you know, and, but bobcat, and the bobcat run across the road and I'd be freaking out, you know, turn the stinking dogs loose. What are you doing? He said, we can't catch him. You know, what do you mean you can't catch him? I've seen it with my own two eyes. And like I say, people argue, and I think there's remedies to that. That I, We're going to get off on a whole side topic here. You may want to stop me, but it, it um, that always blew my mind. A bear, they'd run him. They'd run him hard, but I'd never get him caught. I've seen it happen, actually. We have caught some. Um, but it's, you know, that bobcat, you know, you let them out and they won't even bark. You know, they, mm-hmm. they have no idea he was even there. And I've not seen a lion personally run across the road, you know, like to have hounds right there and stuff. But um, I've had people seen them, you know, and, and, and you get right there and they won't trail it. If you wait, I'm convinced that that's the whole deal. you got to give it 30 minutes or an hour. Yeah. And then they're catchable. Um, you yeah. hit it. Yeah. Okay, so here's a, here's a similar story. When I was a kid, you know, 15 years old, riding in Kenny Burton's 1986 Ford truck down a road. You know, okay. I got a pup in the back. Okay. And a coon crosses the road. And I'm like, stop the truck. Stop. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to turn my pup loose, you know, because yeah. that's what everybody says you're supposed to do. Right. And Kenny was probably 50 years old at the time, been hunting his whole life. Yeah. He's like, no, we're not We're not going to stop the truck. And, and you're, I was the same way. I'm like, what are and, you talking about? Yeah, and I was like, you can, <laughs> coon just crossed the road right yeah. there. He goes, we're going to go down the road, and we're going to turn around, and we're going we're gonna to just take our time coming back. Mm-hmm. I'd done this, and this is a stupid part about it. I'd already tried to, to turn pups loose on coons a hundred times and never could catch them. Right. But I wanted to do it again. Right. <laughs> because it doesn't it's make just, sense. You got to be able make to do any it. Sense. And and so we went up the road, and we probably went two or three miles. So it took us, you know, ten or fifteen minutes to get back. And he's like, "Just take your time. Don't worry about it." And he put that pup down, trailed it, yep. treated it. Yeah. I don't understand it, and no one can explain. I don't think anyone will ever explain that. It's sent the I can, we've done podcasts on it. Have you? Yeah, on scent discrimination, waste scent works. Heath Hyatt on our Wednesday show. Uh, he's a master canine trainer that uh, that that does all kinds of scent work. When Jeff Shetler is one of the world 
renowned. We had we had Nathan Hall, Doctor Nathan Hall, on the podcast, and he spent eleven million dollars in Homeland Security grant money studying studying scent and how a dog. Wow, I didn't realize such things. Such yeah. studies existed, and a do- how a dog uses an olfactory to identify and break down scent and use that scent to detect things, track things, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we've had him on. So when when an animal moves across a landscape like that, especially small animals, spe- we get we get an audience peeking through the window. Yeah, yeah good deal. Oh, yeah. Um, as they move across the landscape, the scent is coming off of that animal kind of like, a, you know, when you drive down a county road and the dust is just flying up behind you. Right. You know, it, it doesn't right. settle right away. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be standing there and the truck goes by and then three minutes later you're standing off to the side of the road and it's you're choking on it, you know. Right. So so scent is made up of scurf and it comes off the animal, it plumes up behind them, and then it's got to have time to settle. Right. Yeah. That's amazing because Warner, Warner Glenn described it the way he describes it to me was like uh, talking about smoke coming off of Yes. Something. Well, they use smoke. Just like dust, you're saying. But he, and, and, but Warner's not, you know, this is pre-study. Yeah. That's just his observation. But it's amazing now when you say that, that he had it figured out. There was, I mean, relatively. There was, there was a dog, or there was a, a scent book. It's called Scent. It's by uh, Dr. Persall. And that's one of the things that we use. We use smoke machines to to for to help us as canine handlers mm-hmm. learn how scent works. And you just walk through there with a smoke machine. And on high humidity days, which you don't get many here, right. you know, it'll hang in the air. It'll drift up above where out of a dog's, out of the reach of a dog's nose. You know, they really? may trail it. They may trail it 50 yards way away. Way downhill of it. Yeah. Way yeah. Off the way track. downhill, way down yeah. where it's settling and the wind's <clears> taking it and stuff like that. It's amazing. It just, it blows my mind. But the thing that really blows my mind is um, something that we depend on so heavily mm-hmm. as hunters and houndsmen. And yet we know so little about it. Right. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah. The mysteries of scent. Dub Evans, you know, in his book. Yeah. He had that whole chapter called yeah. The Mystery of Scent. Wild analogies. You all know, right. Here's have. a magic question. We ask all we, we ask all kinds of lion hunters this question. Mm-hmm. Do you think a lion can shut off its scent? Yeah. The, yeah. I, I don't I <clears throat> I can't believe and I can't try to convince anyone to believe that they can shut their scent off. Mm-hmm. But the whole deal when they go to snaking, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. So like if they're stalking a deer, and not that I've I've not seen, I've only seen two lines in my life without hounds. I've been mm-hmm. I've, I've had horrible luck. To, I've got guides that have seen thirty or forty of them. They got pictures and video to prove it. You know. Yeah. Um, but I've been called lots of times where either a line got spooked. And, and you know, like a cat, anybody that's seen a house cat, you know, they, they'll, they'll run off and then they, they'll either hold up, you know, they get mm-hmm. behind a little bitty bush, they think they're hidden, or they'll go to just creeping away. And much like whenever they'd be stalking something, and I've seen that over and over, just when we're trailing something, and if you got a little snow or something, or some way to figure out, you can see the tracks and figure out that they, they were stalking a deer or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I, I guess the best example would be like when you get called. And, and they'll call you, and the guy was sitting right there. Maybe they were deer hunting or something, and they were glassing, and they watched, they glassed up the lion and the deer, and they saw the whole deal take place. Whether he got, if he gets the deer, well, that's that's going to be pretty easy. But a lot of times they'll miss him. And you go right there, 
and you turn the dogs out and they won't do anything. Mm-hmm. You might get a little bit of cold trailing, but I mean, the guy just saw this lion an hour ago, right? Yeah. Over there. And of course that he thinks your dogs are worthless. That's always the, That's, the hunters are the same way. When we have clients, they, when you tell them something runs across the road and you say, we ain't turning out on it. They, they think it, I mean, he doesn't want me to catch anything, you know, or catch right, anything. right. But, um, but yeah, you get there and they, and it's just not there until you can get to where he gets up and starts moving again mm-hmm. in a normal, natural uh, pattern, you know, whatever he's doing there, uh, then they'll pick up and just fly. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I, yeah. I mean, they say turn their scent off, but that's pretty, that's pretty far fetched. Right. I mean, I don't see how that's, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the word, but I, I don't, I, I don't know what they do, but something dramatically sure. changes when they go to sneaking. Yeah. Bear, I don't know about on that. I don't think so mm-hmm. on a bear. Um, maybe if they stalk something, but lions are all the time stalking something yeah. or a bobcat yeah. um, or sneaking, you know, and, and that's, they do something, but I know it makes it really, really difficult. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And did you see the same thing? I've seen the same thing on raccoons. We just talked about not being able to, mm. you know, track raccoons at certain times. But, mm. um, yeah, there's, it's one of the mysteries of, of hunting that keeps us involved in it. And there's some people that are adamant about it, and there's some people that are like, no, it doesn't happen. Um, you know, Dale Lee is kind of the one that started that. And, um, well, that's right. He talked about it too. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. So, um, you guys do a lot of bear hunting on, on the ranch here. And we do here. Fall. We got a horrible, horrible quota situation here. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yeah. Cause you guys are in the same zone over here. Um, we've got, we can hunt other zones. We can mm-hmm. hunt across here and this one's gigantic, but the way the seasons are set up at over, you know, the August season works fine. That's a horrible time to be hunting bear. Everybody'd agree on that Agreed. for lots of reasons. You know, it's hot, hot and their hair isn't really good, and yeah. it's not terrible. We get away with it here. They don't rub real bad like those Alaska bears or you know places like that do. But um, that's a huge problem here. So we still do hunt here some, and then and then across the road we've got some ranches that are in the next zone over, and it's it's huge, and um, and we do we do real well there. But we can only hunt the August hunt because then by the time hounds open back up, you're in the elk season. And, elk, and when is that? When when does it open back up? September first. That's when archery elk starts. Nobody hunts them then, but you can't. Um, well, you can't hunt hounds then at that point. Oh, I got not you. here right now. That's archery and spot and stock only. You can't. Okay. Hunt, you can't hunt bear as long as the quota is still open. You can hunt bear, but then on the twenty fifth of September, archery ends. Archery elk ends, mm-hmm. and then they they'll let, allow you to go any legal weapon and hounds again. But then you're into elk hunting there, and so nobody elk are king in this country you, you know? bet and and everybody believes that if you run hounds it'll run all the elk off the face of the planet which you and i and any credible <laughs> houndsman know is absolutely not the truth but you, you can't blame mine you know, we're getting yeah yeah they can <laughs> yeah there's time <laughs> yeah. i was running i was tra- yeah. the, the dog struck something the other day up above me and they made a big they went around the the mason they brought it back back to me or went along the uh, rock face there. They came down, crossed a little ditch, and came out. And, and so I'm, of course, I'm watching them on my Garmin. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna see where they come across and just see what they're running. And, yeah. and I get down there, and the dogs run across in front of me. Of course, they're sore footed and mm-hmm. out of shape, not used to this country. And, right. And uh, I'm looking down. All I'm seeing is elk tracks, and I'm just wanting to get on the button bad. Mm-hmm. You know, just. And I just keep looking and looking and looking. And I step off the side of the road, and there's a bear track down in the, down in the creek. Okay. 
And I was like, now what do you do? Am I, did a bear just happen to come through here or these guys, you know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, that was, I totally sidetracked you there. So, um, do you guys, you guys take a lot of bears during the, during the August season? We do. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we kill a bunch of them. I, it's not just me. I've got, I've got some guys, we do spot and stock hunts to try to capitalize on that time frame. Sure. And then we've got some smaller ranches that we don't want to run hounds on. You get on the neighbors real easy. Sure. It doesn't work, you know, or they don't want you so that we know how that goes. And, yeah. um, but then we, we do, we do still hunt them with bear. I've actually basically quit with the hounds on bear myself. I don't think you and I had talked about that at all. Um, for a litany of reasons, but I've got a boy, John Evert that works for me. That's got the best. There's nobody got better bear dogs. I would, yeah. I would put it that way. And, um, so he, he keeps, uh, he hunts for the government on my old job in Colorado that I was telling you about when yeah. I hunted for the government and uh, he hunts all summer and makes more sense for him to have them. So he's got all of them. And so, uh, I just kind of coordinate everything. And we do, like I say, we do spot and stock and then John runs everything. Uh, with the hounds now i it's almost shameful for me to look you in the eye and say that but uh, i i didn't run a bear last year so um they're uh for for me we can we can hunt lion here year round mm -hmm. and and you have um we basically can only hunt for about 15 days of bear season here. yeah and so it, my dogs will run either species right that's that's the issue with that and mm -hmm. so lion hunting here in the summer or the the spring or the fall or early you know before the bears are gone it's it's very problematic um because you'll you know you you're trying to run a lion and if you've got to trail him very far and you cross a hot bear track they're gone you know sure. they're gonna go catch the bear that's a big deal i've always wanted like one species packs of dogs but to have a, f a full pack of bear dogs and a full pack of lion dogs, I'd need 50 hounds. No kidding. Yeah. To split them that way, and so that's that's another big part of it. And then and then from a business standpoint, we're so busy that time of year, it's nuts with other things, lots and lots of antelope hunters and things mm -hmm. like that. And I've always been in the bear woods, you know. And my wife's dealing with. I mean, we have waves that that time of year of 40 hunters a week. Wow. On, on five different ranches or something like that, and so she's dealing with a lot, and I'm trying to and. It was just the combination of things. Um, I love running bear, but I would rather run a lion mm -hmm. any day of the week. And um, I just, bears, I don't want to say, they're not easy. Anybody's think, you know, there's so many different challenges with bear hunting. Yeah. They're not hard to trail, but in general, you know, like a lion is. But there's a litany of other things that make bear hunting difficult. Um, they can I, sure I run. I still love it, but a heck, I, John's got all the, do you know, John's got 30, 40 dogs, you know, that he keeps, yeah. run, runs bear as long as bear out, you know, all year with them. And, um, and so he's got it. So I can still go if that is the cool part, but I'm slowly evolving. Um, I've got dogs now that are two years old that have never been on a bear. So we're getting there. You're trying to you make know. specialists. Yeah. Yeah. Cat just dogs. strictly, you know, where I can go hunt a lion right now and, uh, don't I, have we'll to worry about them trash trail right a bear. over a bear where essentially you treat it like they're trashing. Yeah. 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 Which is still hard for me to say that because right. I've hunted bear forever, but, um, you know, I, I just, it kind of got, um, you know, I've caught lots and lots and lots of bear, and and uh, I just it seems like if we had a good season here, I don't think there's any way I'd do that. But it it doesn't seem to like it's getting any better either with these quotas, and it's so. I mean, this zone we're sitting in, we're open for about five to seven days every year, which is ludicrous. That's what I've heard. That's all bureaucratic, and and uh, we've yeah. got you know we've got really great factions of game and fish here that they know it's a problem as well but it unfortunately we don't manage wildlife strictly by science anymore bureaucracy gets involved in it you big bet. time politics yeah and uh with the powers that be right now it's not improving at all so i just 
I don't have to have as many dogs either. That's the thing. I mean, I have 40 dogs, you know, something like that. And, and now, you know, I've cut way down and that's nice. You used to have 40. Yeah, we've, I have, I think my record, I had about 48, (laughs) but uh, actually after I got hurt, uh, we had some wrecks because the boys were trying to run them for me in the yeah. fall to take our hunting commitments, you know, and uh, the bear hunters. And so, um, yeah, it was a little out of hand. But, yeah, I'd, we keep, I'd keep 30, you know, all the time. I always had 30 dogs yeah. pretty much, you know, for the last 15 years or so. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a pile of hounds. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a full-time job just yeah. taking care of them. Sure. Yeah. How'd you get hurt? The bear deal. So, yeah, um, <laughs> you want the whole story or just a brief overview or? Uh, as much as you want to tell i think it's an interesting story yeah and i haven't heard it from you so i'm just hearing the parts and pieces yeah of it so i'll try to not drag it on forever but the houndsman xp podcast is fueled by joy dog food joy dog food has a rich tradition of supporting the houndsman of america founded in 1945 joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the american houndsman And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. How it happened was it was, um, it'll be five years in July. That's hard to believe. We were talking about time going so fast. Um, so it was uh, July of 2018, uh, July 25th to mm-hmm. be exact, and I was exercising, getting ready for this crazy hot August bear season. You know, right. I've got, I had, you know, a pile of dogs loose, and um, I, I I do the same loop every day on a side by side on a buggy, and I go south of my house, and it's pretty much all antelope country. There's one gap right there, right yeah. where, where two mesas come together, but it's not a lot of bear in that country, so. 99 times out of 100 you don't i've caught a line or two out of it you know but anyways um i'd go south and it's this 10 mile loop i would take them on i'd always wait till it got hot you know i wouldn't do it real because I'm, I'm trying to condition them for that real real tough heat sure and i went on this big loop south of the house it was about 11 o'clock as i recall um maybe a little before but anyways i go i went on my loop so i went through that gap south make my loop come back and right as i got into the gap i uh there's some water there. There's a spring, a little creek runs down through there. They just exploded, just absolutely exploded. One thing I've noticed about this country, it water mm-hmm. is a magnet. Water is a big deal in this yeah. country, yeah. The yeah. drier, the better in that sense because it isolates stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you can start lots of game on yeah. water. But So I got in that gap there. It's just between two canyon walls, two mesa walls there, and they just blew out of there. And so I didn't know, you know, it could be a bear, it could be a lion, whatever, you know, I, I wasn't really sure. And they just tore out of there and went kind of up toward the rim. And I, so I kept driving up the county road there on my side-by-side. And I'm thinking I'm, I'm already on a timeline. I'm late. I was born late. And I'll right. probably be late to my funeral. And I, I had commitments in town with a mechanic, Donnie. And I, <laughs> I'd already missed the first two appointments I'd had with him. And I had to reschedule. So I was really not wanting to be late on him again so i'm bummed already that we're running something and it's hot now right sure it's like 11 
30 probably. You had no intention of bear hunting today. Zero. I didn't have collars on them. I didn't have nothing, you know. I no just, kidding? Yeah, when no I exercise, collars? I just turn them all loose. You know, they all listen real good. So I, and you know, and not generally in bear country, it's not an issue. You get lazy, you know, you don't have to collar 30 dogs. Or sure. Whatever. And uh, so they hit that track and they run it through there and I keep driving it through there. I'm listening to them. And here in just a minute, they cut. So he had obviously just crossed that son of a gun. It turns out it was a bear. And he got up to the rim, and I look up there, and there's this giant red boar walking down the rim. And 35 or so dogs, some just obnoxious number of dogs are fogged in following him. Dogs, you wouldn't normally hunt with that many dogs. Not usually, no. Yeah. The whole thing on having that many dogs is because we hunt for a living with clients, and so we, we have to rotate because you you're going hard yep. 15 days straight with right. no break. So you got to have fresh dogs, yep. right? So, so, but no, I, when I exercise, I turn them all loose at one time. Sure. And I go along through there. My phone. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that, you know, that we don't normally normally pack, pack no. 30 dogs no. out there to, to, tree, to catch No, a you know, unless you're just going to go on a one-day deal right. or something like right. that. Um, but um, you might, i probably known to take too many. But um, So I, I see the bear going down through there, and literally my phone rings right then, and it's Tyler, my oldest son, who you've not met. Um, and he at the time, well, he's 15 now. I guess he'd have been about 10. You know, I think that's all going to add up, right? Um, yeah, he'd have been about 10, 10 or 11. And um, he uh, he calls me and says, uh, they're outside working. Their mama had them doing something behind the house. Well, they've been with hounds since they were a little bitty. And they, sure. know, they know they're running something. And they look up there and they see the bear because it's oh, right by my house. It's, yeah. So it's like a quarter mile from my house. The bear's like uh, 500 yards max from the house right there mm-hmm. as the way the county road goes up through there. I see him. I'm all bummed because now I don't know how long it'll take me to get him off. I don't have callers to tone him or nothing like right. that, and they just started him. You're so, in it to the end now. Yeah, yeah. We know this isn't probably yeah. going to be real quick. And um, calls me, says the dogs are after a bear. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I'm, he didn't know where I was, he, and he didn't know I was sitting there looking at him. And I said, well, yeah, I'm right here in the gap looking at him. And um, and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, i got to get them called off. But I said, it's going to be a while. They're going to need to get hot. But it was hot. We had that on mm-hmm. our side. I'm sure it was over 90, you know, at that point. And so uh, he said, can I go with you? And I said, yeah, but just run across the – there wasn't a road there. He just had to run across. I said, run across the pasture there, and you can jump in with me. So he runs across the pasture and jumps in with me. Well, here in a minute, my wife calls. And my sister at the time, she's passed away now two years ago, but um, she was living with us. She was a severe, severe alcoholic. I mean, severe alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And we had kind of rescued her. I had to go get her from South Texas. And she was living with us for about six weeks that summer at that point. Where we grew up in Colorado, there weren't any bears then. Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was like, like seeing a lion if somebody mm-hmm. saw a bear back then. So we weren't around bears. And then she lived in South Texas. She married a guy from down there. Yeah. And um, she, she had been saying since she'd been with us that summer, she wanted to see a bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife calls, so that's why she calls. She said, well, come get your sister so she can see this bear. You have to pay attention to some of these steps here, too, on how this whole deal worked out. Okay. I guess, I guess it's, you know, how it worked out in my benefit. Um, so I was r- irritated with her to begin with, my sister. You know, I was already short with her kind of anyhow just because of personal issues there. And, um, and then I'm on a time crunch here, and I, don't, I, I want to try to get these dogs shut down as quick as I can. And I said, I, can, I don't have time to fool around with with Bonnie right now I you know I, I'm just going to go on so I, I we driving up the county road well here in just a minute we're going around the mace and the dogs kind of we're right at the point of the mace and the dogs kind of cut out and went over across the top of the mace okay. nobody can see my hands here I'm showing yeah. you and they cut across the yeah, top yeah this of, is audio this isn't visual yeah I'm trying to really <laughs> use my hands here but they cut across the edge of the mace at the top where you couldn't see them no more kind of went out of here in a little bit you know yeah and we're 
buzzing around on the buggy and I hear something behind me. Well, my wife comes driving up behind me and I've got a little white Tacoma that I hunt out of too. And uh, she comes pulling up. She's got my sister, Bonnie, and then she's got our other three children, our oldest daughter, Delaney, and then Allison and Tanner, who you've met here. So yeah. Tanner was a little bitty guy. You know, he was like a year and a half or two. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me, at the time. And uh, so they're in for the ride. And so we go on around the Mesa, and uh, we get around there. Blosser Mesa is what this Mesa is called. And uh, we go on around there, and we're putting out through the grass. And pretty soon we can hear them real loud. You can hear them over the buggy, you know. And um, and we get up there, and we get stopped. And here they come, and they come out across the open. And this big, giant, beautiful cinnamon bear, just a gorgeous, gorgeous bear. Mm. You know, if, you was, if I was going to life-size a bear, that was him. You know, that's a bear yeah. if I was ever going to do one for myself. And, and uh he was uh, he was fighting the dogs across there, and you know they're all fogged in. We got to see him several times as they kind of moved along the edge of the mesa. Mm-hmm. And um, noteworthy is he was violent. Like that was one of them. I I seen like three in my whole out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bears. Mm-hmm. No exaggeration. Hunt, you know I did it forever yeah. and hunted for the government all summer. Um, he was nasty, nasty mean, especially for as big as he was. He wasn't overly fat that time of year either. And we've been in a drought here forever, mm-hmm. but he's just giant framed bear, you know. And um, a lot of times they just lumber, you know. It's yeah, the, they just walk through. And it's like you can't hurt right. me. Go it's them two hundred and fifty pounders that are violent, you mm-hmm. know. And they catch the dogs and they're fast. Yeah. And but he was nasty. He would run one for a hundred yards. I'm not. You know when they'll go after one. A lot sure, of times yeah. they're like an old cow or something. Mm-hmm. They just they'll take a little bit of a charge. The dogs sure. scatter like quail, and then the bear quits and keeps going or yeah. doing what he's doing. This sucker would line one out for a hundred yards, you know, where the dog thinks he's getting away, and all of a sudden he looks, and the bear's right there. You know, it's like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing this. Every other bear I've ever seen only chased me for a few feet. Right, he he was extremely, extremely nasty, and I I mean, it only two or three, you know, that I saw that was just, I mean, really vicious, you know. Yeah. And of course, it's hot, and he's just like any critter. You get them hot, they get mad, and he goes across there, and we keep watching. Well, finally, they bay, and um. They just aren't moving. We can't see them, but they're in a they're on the side of the mesa in a little rincon, you know, a little inverted canyon, kind of mm-hmm. on the edge there. And there's a bench because you got a rim. It's not a big rim in that country. A lot, a lot of places it's ten to twenty feet, but it's just nasty jumbled rock and mm-hmm. cedar country, mainly cedar and pin- yeah. pinon. And uh, he's on a bench. I can kind of tell. And they're bait, you know, they're bait hard, you know, they're just holding him there. And he ain't moving no more. You can hear him rev up like he like he comes at him, you know, kind of deal how yeah. they soup up. And, uh, but they're not moving anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, everybody's getting hot now. Now's my chance. I'm going to go up there. And I, I, I don't know if you do the same thing, but if a lot of times you can spook them, the dogs, I mean, like if you get right in the middle of them, mm-hmm. you know, and then scream at them, you can kind of shock them. Right. Not literally shock, but spook yeah. them where they come off. Because, again, no collars. You know, usually right. if I can tone them, I can shut whatever down. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, my commands, we're done. Yeah, you go in there, it's done. like, we're done. That's cool. I, I'm not you know, and it's. That. Yeah, and you can they they all look at you, you know, all of a sudden it's over, kind of. Yeah, that's neat to cue them actually yeah. like that. I just start screaming at them. <laughs> um, so again, everybody's with us. That's another one of those things, you know, on how this deal shaped up. Or Bonnie got to see the bear, my sister, several times, so that was cool. And um, so I said, all right, I'm going to hike up there and I'm going to get them because now I'm just panicked. I'm late again, you know. I'm sure I'm, I'm fixing to miss all my stuff in town. It's it's uh, around noon. Get, or getting re- very near noon. And so I take off and I go walking up the mace. I had just destroyed my ankle playing basketball with the kids about two weeks before. I mean, like a, they call it a, a class four sprain. sprain. I mean, it was absolute surgery, like destroyed all the tendons. It was, mm-hmm. my whole leg was black, you know? Yeah. And I'm just two weeks in it. I'm tender, you know, I'm going up through there. 
And uh, so I take off, and I, I started off, and my do- my oldest daughter, Delaney, said, I'm going to go with you. You know, they've all seen babe bears, and it's sure. no big deal, right? We do this right. all the time. And uh, I said, no, um, you no, her mother called her back and said, hey, help me to move the truck, because she was going to leave, so my wife, Janelle, was going to leave. She said, well, we're going to go back. Mm-hmm. And another thing that was really cool about this is the pistol was in that pickup, <clears throat> just a self-defense gun. You know, yeah. Well, it was a 10-millimeter. Mm-hmm. But um, I had self-defense rounds in it, you know, sure. like critical defense or something, mm-hmm. not a bear round at all. Right. But I just decided I'd put that pistol in my belt. I never normally would probably even carry a gun on a deal like that because I'm not going to kill him, you know, mm-hmm. just going to call the dogs off. So I grabbed the pistols, take off. Delaney's going to go with me. And Janelle says she's leaving. I said, no, stay here because the pickup will be here and I can get the dogs home quicker. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, t- I take off and uh, D- Delaney's going to go with me. Janelle calls her back and says, um, you stay here so you can help me move this pickup. I told them to put it up in the shade or something sure. right there, you know, so they could wait there a minute. So I take off. So I'm alone. And I go up the Mesa, and it's, it's not very far. It's probably like line of sight, like 200 yards, maybe 150 yards, something yeah. like that, L- linear. You know, you had to climb up the edge, and mm-hmm. it was just super rocky. It's rough, little little deal. And I go walking up there, and there I, I'm just about to top out, and they're on a bench. Right, you know, those, a lot of people probably don't know what we mean by that, but that's you got the little rim rock there, and then yep. you got a kind of a flatter area with a bunch of big giant cedars right there, and then there's big boulders like like um, recliner sized or sofa sized sure. boulders strewn across there. So I'm sneaking up. Well, I'm doing what anybody's going to do. I'm getting my phone out because this is going to be awesome. Oh you know, yeah, gonna, he's bathed there, and I'm going to get some pictures and video. It's going to be an epic video. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go viral like the Whitaker brothers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, I'm getting my phone out, and I just I just tucked that pistol in my belt, like in, in my leather belt there. I just I'd have a holster or nothing. I threw it in there, and get my phone all rigged up, and I start sneaking up over the deal because I don't want him to see me. You know, he's going to mm-hmm. booger and go. Sure. And um, I got I start sneaking up, and I get up, and I can see him. And he's standing there, and the dogs are, you know, just up. How far away was he? Right then he was, um, oh, I don't know, uh, 10 yards away. Oh, Something like that. Yeah, yeah, so it was, I didn't have any choice to to get to them in order to be able to see them and get right in Mm -hmm. the dogs like I wanted to do to scare them, to get their attention. Yeah. uh, To be able to scream at them and get them to walk out of there with me. Yeah, it was, he was, you know, 30 feet, I guess, you know, something like that. He was right there and he was right at the edge of the rim pretty much. And just, there was a couple of big cedars and he was kind of tucked down in those rocks, you know, those rocks I said Mm -hmm. were strewn across there. So I go sneaking up out on that rock and I stand up real, real easy. And I'm trying to kind of mess with my phone and remember my ankle is like throbbing. I can feel my pulse in it. So I'm having to really pay attention to that as well. So I, I climb up on this rock and I'm trying to keep balance there and I'm fixing the fire of the phone up and, Apparently I did, you know, I'd got the record kind of started there and, um, I looked over there, I guess before, or at some point right in there, I looked over there at him and he hadn't seen me or anything like that. And I was trying to keep him from seeing me so I could get the pictures and the video. And I'm like fidgeting with my phone now and I'm stood up, but you know, I'm being still and he's got a lot of stuff around him and I'm fidgeting with my phone a little bit. And I look, I kind of glance over at him again and he's looking dead at me Ooh, and it, which Right? No, I mean, you've done this a lot. Yeah. Like, no big deal. It doesn't matter. My biggest fear is he's going to go now, and I ain't going to get a gosh dang picture yeah. of him, the video of him mm-hmm. that I want. That was my biggest fear of the whole deal. And um, I look, but he, I thought maybe he was looking through me, 
you know, just, just looking, looking around or whatever. Route. Yeah, something like that. But he looked, he literally like looked me up and down. I mean, he, he you know, you know where they, humans different than a dog, you know, mm-hmm. in their eyes. And they, he really looked at me and like, I got his attention, you know, there's no doubt he busted sure. me. And I'm thinking, dadgummit. And now I'm like messing around with my phone, trying to get it fired up to do that. And all of a sudden, there are so many things go on here at one time, but it was like I got that weird feeling almost. And I looked back over at him and he was pinning his ears down. Just mm-hmm. like like he would if he was going to run a dog, and he just comes blowing across that like rock thing, right at me, and I jerked the pistol out, and I just uh, one handed, you know, I got my sure. phone in the other hand, the stupid thing I should have thrown down, but I'm still not that boogered yet, you know, like it's, yeah. it, it it just from complacency, honestly, that's what caused the whole issue here. It should have never happened, um, and I fired him. I believe you'll have to bear with me on this. You can help me through here, but I, I think it was four four rounds. I shot him coming across there and he went to spinning you know how a predator will bite yeah. at their wound sure you know? and uh he just goes to spinning like a hurricane right or a tornado um biting at his wound and he spins kind of down closer to me and like being jaded and and complacent i just stand there you know yeah it's like and I'm he, watching I got him. him yeah i mean i i have no doubt he's going to do me harm mm-hmm. or i wouldn't have shot him sure you know, like I, it wasn't yeah. like he was running by me just panicked like stuff mm-hmm. does like the he son was, of a gun was, yeah he was locked in on me and and, i'd never yeah. seen one do that you know i had a couple of them act funny but like there was something different about this it was very apparent and uh, so i i went to pounding on him and he was spinning like i said real hard and i just stand there and so now he's from here to the end of the table. You're better with footage, but I, yeah. I don't know. Ten feet? Yeah, ten feet. He's right there, and I'm still standing there. So, it's again, like, stupid me, you know. Well, he's. I'm thinking maybe he'll peter out, you know, and, and die. Mm-hmm. But he's not slowing down. He's just roaring. And, of course, the dogs are now kind of fogging in after him. And I just thought, literally as casually as this, I thought, I, thought, I better step away a little bit, you know, he's, he's pretty close, you know, mm-hmm. and he's still f- very, very alive. How much do you think this bear weighed? I, I hate to say because you know how everybody was he three hundred plus miss a chicken by fifty pounds. Clint Henson, who's the game warden, he was the game warden on scene at when this happened. There's no one weighed any more bears than Clint Henson because when they trap bears, transport bears, have to euthanize bears. Let's, let's save it. We'll save it. Let's come back to it. Well, I'm just going to say he 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 doesn't miss them. You know they weigh yeah. every one of them. He said four hundred pounds. Okay. So this country, yeah. he's King Kong. Yeah. That's a big bear in this country. That's a big bear. Yeah, huge. So. He was giant, you know, there's no doubt, just from seeing him before. Um, so uh, I decide I'm going to step away. Well, there's all those big boulders. You could kind of walk between them, but it would take a lot more time. Mm-hmm. So I tried to hop. I'm kind of forgetting about my ankle at this point. Like, sure. It's getting kind of serious. So I hopped. It was three hops away. I remember it vividly, just like a frog bouncing across there. On hopped. three different boulders. Three different boulders. Boom, and, and the boom, reason why I boom. stopped at the third is because I hit the edge. It wasn't a bluff. It wasn't like a cliff straight off, but it was extremely steep extremely mm-hmm. steep and just gnarly rocky stuff with some scattered cedars in there and when i lit on that third rock this all now again i'm, I'm going into super slow mo so you can understand the sure. whole scope of what i saw i lit on that rock and as soon as i land two dogs just fly past me you know what that means right yeah. that i don't mean like they're lollygagging like they are getting out of the dodge and immediately i thought man he's right there he had to have moved again because they're running from him so, again, this all happened very quickly, but I look over my shoulder, and when I look over my shoulder, he's, like, on me. He's in midair, and his head, I could have touched his head right there. Oh, my gosh. So, there he is, and, and he just, yeah. from that point on, everything you hear about these situations of super stress uh, in combat or police officers, it, a lot, I mean, literally, life or death situation, and it's actually, there's a clinical term called tachypsychia, and that's where your mind 
goes into super super slow mo, mm-hmm. and it's basically it's it's a fight or flight thing. Right. How you can handle a situation and by slowing it down and processing it, and that was actually kind of cool to experience that. I wish I could avoid this whole deal. Don't get me wrong, but um, that was pretty cool to experience what the human body's capable of doing because I'd never been in that kind of a situation. Yeah. Not that stressful. Right. And so he hit me. And he hit me so hard, I, it was violent. Like the the force behind it, absolutely violent. It kind of bent me over backwards, you know, because he hit me in the back. And when I, re- I, I my arms just reached back, I reached my arm around him, and like grabbed onto him almost, because he's like kind of he kind of hit me, you know, like I guess about at my belt line. Mm. And and I remember it was the weirdest sensation because I, 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 again, your mind, the human mind's weird, I guess, right? Maybe I'm probably weirder than others, but. It was like surreal that I had my arm around a live bear. Sure. That's something that really stuck out to me. I can still feel that hair right now. No kidding. Like it, you know, how many hair? Yeah. I had hair, lots of them, but they're not alive usually, you know, unless they're tranquilized or something. Right. So he just hammers me off this ledge, and it's super steep. So I guess I tumble. I don't really have a recollection of how I got it down there, but I'm, I'm sure I was tumbling, crashing down through there. And I slam to a stop on my back with my head going downhill. So my feet are uphill, but it's severe, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. I'm, you're looking like, like you're looking up a wall almost. And for a fleeting second, I thought, man, that was wild. It, and I thought he left, you know, like I thought he hit me and then they were going to go on. And in an instant he come from behind, there was like a cedar and like a rock there. He come around that just like, there's he no doubt. He came looking for you. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question in my mind. He, I, I just think that, I think that he'll save me. If we'd have been on level ground, he'd have had his way with me because I'd have just flopped over right there and stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. But when he hit me, he hit me so hard. He obviously didn't get a hold of me. I don't, I can't honestly say if he bit me then or not, cause he, you're not feeling anything yeah. at that point. And, and, um, but he didn't get a hold of me. He wasn't able to hang on to me. So I crash and stop. And of course this is happening extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking uphill and I'm kind of at a little bit of an angle like that on the hill. And he just, piles around there and i remember like his weight on my legs like his front feet hit my legs like he's coming right at my face and i just turn my pistol as quick as i can i don't have time to like aim at all i sure. just i'm it's all that subconscious you know mm-hmm. and i just turn and bang and i fire into him well it was enough it made him sort of recoil just spin a little bit you know like it, it, it stopped him just for a second from getting on my face and i just went to kicking as hard as i could possibly kick to get away from him and i got up and I turned, I was able to kind of stand up, and I just was sprinting through this hellacious, like, boulder field going down the hill. You weren't feeling any pain or any zero. bites at this No, point. sir. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, you're invincible. It's unbelievable, right. actually. Yeah. That's why I say that. Not not that it was cool in any sense. I don't mean that. I'm not braggadociously at all. Yeah. It's just that it, it was amazing what your body can do there. And so I, I, I take off again, and I'm running, you know, like rolling, running, I, you know, just tearing off this hill as fast as I can get away from him, and I feel him hit me. He grabs me, and we just, like, roll, you know, like in a big ball, you know, kind of tumble a little bit. And he's on me, and I stop, you know, we sort of come to a stop again, and I just start kicking because I don't want him on my face. I just, that was really, like, Mm -hmm. vivid in my mind. Like, he's going to rip your face apart, you know. Sure. You've read the articles where bears bite people in the face. They say it sounds like an apple, like Mm -hmm. you're, you know, biting a chunk out of an apple. And it was just things like that. And I I was kicking, and I start shooting. But your your mind again. I'm I'm so con- I'm so aware of my feet. I I want to head shoot him really bad. Yeah, I just yeah. want to shut this deal off, right? Because yeah. we know how they get when they get amped up, even with vital shots. 
So I'm kicking as hard as I can, but I literally, I all, the thought crossed my mind, just shoot, even if you hit yourself in the foot, it's just, it's better to, but I would, I, I literally would body shoot him. And it was like another uh, four shots. And now remember the iPhone deal or the phone up yeah. there. So I had hit yeah. record. So I, I don't have any video of this happening. Everybody always asks that, but I have the audio. So I know my exact round count. I had downloaded my mags because I'd heard about spring set. That's a big contested theory. I sure. know now that they design them to hold 15 because they can hold 15, period. <laughs> yeah. But I had downloaded it, and it turned out it was a total of 11. I didn't know that at the time. I couldn't even remember. But anyways, I body shot him like four more times. As I'm just kicking as hard as I can as he's like, he keeps trying to like gather me up, you know. And I'm kicking and shooting and kicking and shooting and kicking and shooting. Keep going down the hill, and he finally catches me again, and he gets a hold of me really good. And I'm trying to think about a way to get it shut off. And he's sort of like standing on me, like my upper body, and he's got a hold of my leg by the way we landed again. So your your head is kind of back towards his back feet then, and he's it's, he's coming over your shoulder. Right then. And, and bite. Yeah, yeah, that would be a fair say. You know, we're tumbling, and I'm scrambling, right? Mm-hmm. It's just none of this is in control. And so that's sort of where he's at. And so I stuck the pistol like into his neck right there. Yeah. Hey guys, have you checked out Onyx? Seriously, I'm coming off of a two week trip in northern New Mexico, and I cannot tell you how important Onyx was for me. It was a deal where this is an easy product for me to talk about just based on a two week experience. When you go into new country, and I've never been in the Paloma Ranch country, northern New Mexico before. With all the features and Onyx, I was able to get a really good grasp on that country and understand it at a level that I never could have any other way. There's features in there about tracking yourself so you can make your own tracks and keep track of where you've been. That's important when you're when you're trying to navigate and head off hounds and, and learn trails. It's sped up the learning curve so quickly. Uh, and terrain features you can look at topo maps you can look at at like heat maps that show you the degree of angle so you know where those big drop-offs are know where your dogs are headed i can't i can't say enough about it you just got to get into onyx and check out all the features go to onyxhunt.com and get the elite subscription today Use the promo code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your subscription, your annual subscription to Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. I, I know I, my mind's just screaming, you've got to shut him off. You've right. you got to hit him in the spine, mm-hmm. central nervous system, yeah. right? headshot or get him in the spine. Sure. So I stick it in there, boom, pull the trigger. And it obviously didn't hit his spine, but he kind of let go. But whenever I shot him that time, he like rebit and he grabbed a hole and he got me by the inside of the thigh. On and the just, inside of the thigh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I and I can't honestly tell you where all the the damage came from at what succession. I mean, I wasn't paying attention to that mm-hmm. at all at that point. But he picked me up, and I remember like he he literally like. St- uh, not stand up like you see in the movies, but he picked me up where I was looking, like laying, you know, pretty much my head was barely on the ground. I'm looking up at him with my leg in his mouth. And it was amazing. It was like I was so calm because it was like, it was almost like a voice. I, I'm not saying that I heard an audible voice, mm-hmm. but it was like something was like telling me just don't, 
freak out and dump your mag or like you're already up a creek here. Just be calm and, and bide your time. Make this work. Cause I, I'm also aware that I might be running out of ammo at this sure. point. Right. But my slides closed. I know something it should, theoretically it should be locked and loaded. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he finally sets me back down. Now he's, he's, you know, he's facing Level. me, but is, yeah, yeah. We're still on the incline, but he's right there. So the shot I've been dreaming of is right there. Cause he's chewing on my leg and I just slam the pistol semi-automatic 10 millimeters is a Glock, right? Mm -hmm. And I push it down on his head. I smash it on his head. You can't do that with a semi-auto. I yeah. know this now. Takes it know. out of battery. It takes it out of battery. You know the term yep. even. I learned that. After. Yep. I was no pistol arrow. <laughs> I, I carried one around, you know, and I have that 10 millimeter because these guys talked about how cool it was or whatever. I, I was all, I've always been a rifle guy. Now I'm really into pistols yeah. through that deal. Sure. I, I, I spent a lot of time laid up, and I, I got really into pistols. And I tune them and do all this stuff with them. Cool. But um, anyways, I slammed it on him, and I pulled the trigger, and it clicked. And he's like, crap. And I'm just like, my gosh, I know I have a malfunction. So, so you start breaking this down in your mind, you know, really quickly. I know I've got a malfunction. And so I just take, it's not like you've got time to look at what your issue is there. I just, I like, it's a wonder I didn't rip the slide off the gun. I ripped it as hard as I could to, to try to, no, no idea what's going on there, but I try to clear this malfunction. And when I ripped it, I could literally like slow motion, see that live round come out of that pistol. It was unbelievable. Like, you know, yeah. just the sharpness and the awareness yeah. there, right? Come out of the pistol. In this, and and I don't know if it's, she's gonna, I don't know if she's going to close now because I don't know where my I don't know how much ammo I've got. Did left. you reach up and catch it and hand load it back I in the barrel? I, in oh. hindsight, I should have. Oh, should've. you had the clarity, man. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's yeah. like kung fu moment right yeah, there. I, I should add that. It'd yeah. make a better story. But um, I saw the live round come out and I let it go and it slammed shut. Okay. Ooh, yeah. So so we know we know where we theoretically again we should be live, right? You and, still still got your shot. Yeah, he's still wooling me around. Yeah. He's losing a little bit of steam at this time. I, I, I mean, he's got like, what are we at? What has he got? Nine rounds in him, I think, right now. Mm. But um, at least I think he is. Maybe he's tired. I don't know. But um, he's not. He's thinks you're not laying down. He's not standing still. He's thrashing me around. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of wait again until he quits shaking for just a second. Like he's fixing to like rebite, and I put the gun down. I, I have no mental clarity on, or, or I didn't have the wherewithal to say, don't slam it on his head again. I wasn't thinking, I, I wasn't, sure. but I just put it up there and shot and it killed him and he, he dropped right there. And how uh, long do you think the whole deal lasts? In the, about 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, if you'd asked me fresh out of it, I said, man, it was probably a minute because of this slow motion mm -hmm. thing. I can't stress that. And it was insane. How just unbelievable, like super slow-mo on a camera, right? How everything broke down. And, and you know it's going super fast. But it stoned him. I lost all fear of him instantly right there. Sure. And and But my slide pinned open. Ooh, so that, that was the last that was round my, you that had. That was my 11th round. Yeah, that was my, my last round, yeah. So he dies. You know, I know he's dead. But we're on such an incline. When he falls, we tumble a little bit. Because mm -hmm. he's, he's basically holding me up. This hill's so steep. So we, we fall and tumble a little bit. And the way I came to rest, I'm back on my belly, facing steeply downhill. My head's downhill, and I kind of slam into like a big boulder. I'm almost hugging it. And he's uphill from me. Well, I go to rip my leg out from underneath him, and it won't come. And I, I pull it again real hard. And again, I'm still feeling no pain. Um, I, I go to pull it out again. I can't get it. Well, I don't care how big he is. He could weigh 1,000 pounds. I can pull one leg out from right. underneath him. So I, I, I'm... I try to look, and I'm on my belly, remember, super steep. All I can see is the back of his head. 
mm-hmm. like it's bent over like this, and his body's all uphill for me. So all I can see is his ears and the back of his head. And um, I, so I, I try to pull again. Nothing happens, and I'm thinking he's probably got his claws in me, or maybe he's just bit down on me, right? Mm-hmm. So I go to, like, reaching around back there because I know – that something's going on, right? Sure. And I go to reaching around, and I, I, I push as hard as I can, and I get my hand in his mouth, thinking maybe I could pull his mouth open or something, and I can feel these molars. They're, they're going uphill, so his canines are uphill, if that makes sure. sense, pointing away. And I reach further, and there's just something, like, insanely slimy in his mouth. That's the best way. I, that was the sensation I got from it. Like he mm-hmm. had a fish in his mouth, like super slimy. And it just perplexed me a little bit, and I reach, and I reach as hard as I can reach back up there, and I can feel hair it, it, in, like, skin, but it ain't a bear. Like, I reach further, and I reach down in, and I reached inside of my leg. So, like, I reached Holy inside cow. of my calf, and it dawned on me, that's my hair. You know, it's like the hair on your arm. Yeah. It's not the bear. And, I, and that's when it was like, okay, this got real. And so, somewhere in there at that point, I hear screaming. Because remember now, Janelle and the kids are all down the hill listening to this whole deal go on. Yeah. And they and I yelled a time or two, not out of pain or it's like it was like when all that was happening, I wanted them to know something was wrong. Yeah, like I'm going to need help over this, you know, for sure. Not that I wanted them to come up there, but call someone or something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there and I I reach back and Janelle screams and I'm like I'm like I need help, you know, like get up here. I can't. I don't remember exactly what I said, but she's yelling, you know, and and in her defense, they don't know if the bear's dead or alive. They just hear all this shooting and yelling, right? Yeah. So they don't have any idea what's going on because they can't see it. Thank God. Um, We're in the cedars, you know, right then. And as I, I can feel just this warmth just flooding over my body. I knew without looking what that was. Blood. It's it's blood. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look and on this real severe hill, it's literally like pooling and running down the hill like I mean a pretty good flow of blood is running down the hill right there and it's just covering me so I think immediately I'm bleeding severely severely bad mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking I know my legs just destroyed right I don't even know what where else. was he latched on so I never could see this and I can't explain this real well no one there could really explain it real well but it'd be like if I if I got a hold of your t-shirt with with a pair of pliers or something and then doubled it over yeah. a couple times and twisted it, twisted got it, it mangled. because remember whenever I said I shot him, we mm-hmm. tumbled, well, we kind of tumbled different directions and he was bit down real hard. Well, it just ripped my gastroc out of my calf, basically. Well, that is, it's your calf muscle, that big, oh, big muscle, but it, he got locked into that going different directions. And it just, it was like a wash rag or something that was wrapped severely tight around his teeth. That's oh the way my that gosh. So it was real hard. They couldn't even see it real well. Cause anytime they'd move it, I would just flip, you know? And now I'm starting to feel pain. It's mm-hmm. the, adrenal- the big rush of adrenaline's go- going away, and I'm really, really feeling this. So the blood starts flowing, and I scream now at her. like I'm like, get up here fast. Like, I need you to get up here because I think I'm bleeding. To- I'm, I'm sure that sure. I'm bleeding. I actually resign myself that I'm going to die here. It's funny. We get real religious. you know. I'm like mm-hmm. praying on our Father, you know, and I'm like really, really trying right. to. Yeah, because I, I really did. I thought I'd die right there. Are there are any right? atheists in foxholes. That's what they say. Yeah, and yeah. it's sort of a similar deal. Yeah. You know, not as not as severe as war for sure, but um, I can see how much blood is coming, and I know I'm not going to last very long at that rate mm-hmm. at all. I'm no doctor, but it was lots and lots of blood, and it's just covering me. You know, running down my back, and and uh, anyhow, so she screams, "Where's the bear?" And it dawns on me right there. Heck, she don't know if he's dead or alive, and I scream, "He's dead!" You know, come on, fast as you can come. Come on. And what I didn't know is down the hill. So you're saying your wife's love is conditional. Yeah, conditional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not unconditional. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would be too. It's like, wait a second. 
are there any snakes? Have you seen any snakes down there? <laughs> right. And, and, oh, yeah, where's that bear? Right. It's like, I don't know. Well, I'm not coming. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It lets you know how you're right. But um, she, what I didn't know, this. She was probably just asking because she was packing heat. She wanted to finish it off for you. She didn't have a gun. Oh, that's too bad. No, I had the gun that yeah. was in the pickup, so yeah. nobody has a gun. I tried to make excuses for her. But I, I uh, well, it, and it was a lot of it was the kids. Sure. I, I, her, sure. her, there's no doubt. Oh, she, yeah. She did. She's just... gone right in. No, I, I'm, I like to kid with you too. Yeah. But um, she was having to fight my daughter, my oldest daughter Delaney, because because when I started yelling initially, Delaney just took off. She's coming to save her daddy, mm-hmm. and so she was. She literally had to subdue her, like to to hang on to her to keep her, because she knows that I would not want her up there. Yeah. She, we got to protect our children. Sure. Even at the cost of my life yeah. or whatever, you know, obviously. And um, so so that was kind of touching, but um, she ended up. Uh, once I said he's dead, Delaney's a, a, a heck of an athlete and is extremely good shape, you know, run the mountains her whole life. So she gets up there before mama. And when she kind of topped, there was just a little deal. They topped right there. Um, like a, another little draw or something where mm-hmm. she could see me and I'll never forget. She come over and she just goes, <gasps> and she grabs her mouth when she sees all this. Cause I'm just covered in blood. She sees my legs ripped wide open, you know, and here's this dead bear. Mm-hmm. And I have to back up just a second. All right. This is the cool. I always, I always screw this up, but I, when it started hurting, there's so many things going on here. I, I'm not a good narrator, and I, I don't know how to tell it You're all. You're doing outstanding. To flow you got me sitting on the edge of my seat, man. So Usually I, at this point in a podcast, I'm like looking at the clock thinking, when's this going to be over? And I can shut up anytime. No, 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 no. It's, you keep rolling, man. It's back up. at this point. But I had a, I had a mini griptilian bench made in my pocket. Brand new knife, so it's razor sharp, you know, because a pocket knife is never sharp, right? You're, you're using yeah. a knife, you're cutting twine or whatever sure. with it. And when, I, when, when they were still on their way up, it took them just a little bit to get up there. It started hurting so bad, I was just about to go out of my mind. And so I took my knife and, and articulating, skinning lots of bears, you know, I knew, I thought if I can break that atlas joint, I, I could give myself, you know how when you cut yeah. one's head off and you're mm-hmm. skinning him, I thought if I could break that, maybe it'll give me some relief. I don't know what's going on, but I know that I know that my leg's in his mouth. You know, I yeah. told you I'd discover that. So I reach. It's so awkward, though. I'm, I'm going over my back, and I reach, and I stab him right there about where that atlas joint would be, and I tried to wiggle that knife. Well, Where's I, you, explain where the atlas joint is for well, if you, people the, that may be unaware. The knob on the back of your head, mm-hmm. like a human. They've got a knob also on the back of their skull, and that's where the what what's what I think is called. I don't know the scientific term, but the atlas joint is the top vertebrae on the spine that joins the spine to the skull. Yep. That's where all those tendons and muscles tie all that in. Mm-hmm. So that's when you take something's head off. That's what you try to cut through and articulate that and get the tendons cut. Sure. And the head comes off. So that's what I had in my mind was I'd loosen that off somehow. So I stabbed him and I wiggled it around. Well, when I wiggled it, it moves his whole head and it just was, it would go next level. Yeah. So I had to quit, but I left the knife stuck in the back of his head. So Delaney, to hear her tell it, she got there and <laughs> she sees this dead bear laying on the top of me and there's a knife sticking out of the back of his skull. So she thinks I killed him with my knife. <laughs> That's, <laughs> so the, that's legend, I, the legend that's, lives on. That's where I screwed up as I, I didn't think quick enough. I cleared that up. I was too honest about it. <laughs> and I should have said, yeah, because nobody would have ever questioned me because yeah. she gets there and exactly. you know, I'm dying and the knife's in the back of his head. But anyhow, she gets there and I just told her, I said, do you got to get something around my leg? I didn't think about my darn leather belt. I have on. I carry a tourniquet pretty much everywhere now too. That's a, that's something, anybody listening to this, if you're around firearms, in the field, knives, 
tourniquets, you can buy them on Amazon, good ones, and they're easy to use for nothing. I don't care what And they, they weigh nothing. They, they weigh nothing. They take up no space in your nope. back. No, they got them now where it's like a belt that Velcro's on, and it's got a, a handle Absolutely. on it. Absolutely. And it's like turning on lock the it in. faucet, they say. I've had doctors, I've asked them, how do you know? Yep. And they say, you turn, keep turning until the blood stops, and then quit turning. And mark the time. You've got to mark they know, they, how to rehab the limb, because mm -hmm. if you've got to go 10 hours like that, they, they need to know that. You got to know when you put the tourniquet on. Yeah. So I don't think about my belt. So she takes her shirt off and she's got a sports bra on. I don't really realize that. My wife's getting there at this point too now, and she's just like, "Oh my gosh," you know, because they're seeing it's it's apparently you know really bad for them to look at. And um, I I just said, "Mama, you gotta you gotta get my leg tied off. I'm bleeding to death. Like I'm pouring blood right now." Okay. So she gets Delaney's shirt best they can do and she gets it wrestled under my leg and she gets it cranked off as tight as she can or whatever and she starts looking and they start trying to pull on the head and getting it off and I'm just freaking out like I, I can't control myself it hurts so bad it's it's horrific just laying there mm -hmm. but when they move it it's ripping on that muscle's already tight as a banjo string so they're 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 moving it and it oh really really hurts. you had to feel that all the way up into your back and you know because I mean your Achilles and all that stuff it's, it goes yeah, all tell the me, way yeah, up. I still have lots of trouble with my Achilles, yeah. So, yeah, that's all interconnected. It's funny. You learn about the human body through these things. But mm -hmm. anyhow, they had already called. They'd had my sister call 911. She's got the three, the, the rest of the other three kids, the three younger ones down there on the hill. Mama told them not to come. And uh, she, she's, so I, I think, yeah, it was Bonnie, I think, made the initial call to 911. And they get up there, and she goes, I need a phone. I need to get somebody here. Well, they don't have a phone because the phone's down the hill. Is there messing? They finally have given up, you know, like I, I can't handle them moving it. I just mm -hmm. said, just stop. Just please stop. And, and she, Janelle clarified she thought a lot of blood was coming out of that bear. I just shot him on the top of the head, right? Yeah. And that's a, they bleed sure. bad. That's a bleeder. And so while I was bleeding a lot, it wasn't, I didn't have a major artery torn open yet. Thank all. goodness. I, I did not. They could actually see my tibial artery. So when the paramedics got there, they started talking about it. They said, we can't touch that. They could see the tibial artery. They could see it pulsating, flowing blood. It was not, it was not punctured, though, thank goodness. So anything, a stick would have, would have changed that whole deal you sure. know, real quick, just anything, yeah. to touch that artery. So she's saying, I need a phone. So remember my cell phone? It's up the hill on that little bench right at the edge where he hit me, knocked it out of my hands. And um, my phone starts ringing up the hill so it's like 30 yards up the hill something like that it's it starts ringing and janelle tells delaney run up there and get it so she sprints up that face she's it's got to keep ringing right or right. she ain't gonna be able to find it she gets there to it and right as she gets to it missed call right it's, it's rang enough it went to voicemail or whatever mm -hmm. so she gets it and she runs back down the hill and janelle looks it was clint henson clint was the chief here um out of the game and fish office he's retired no now. kidding yeah and I've known him for a long, sure. long, long time. Good friend. Always got along with him. Great, great guy. And uh, it was Clint calling because they, anytime wildlife related, they radio to Game and Fish. You mm -hmm. know, also the uh, dispatch is going to call them in on it because they know it's involving a bear. Right. Well, it comes over dispatch that it's a 36-year-old female. I'm a 38-year-old male. My wife's 38. <laughs> but it's a 30, you know, they somewhere that got screwed up with my sister sure. or whatever. Sure. So Clint's first thought, because knowing the address, he goes, Janelle got attacked by a bear. That's the way he interpreted that. Sure. He's already en route, but he wants to get a hold of me to see where I'm at, what's going on, what's happening. Yeah, to get, get some, some information. Get some information. So she just calls back immediately, and or he might have called again. 
I don't remember. But she either called him back or he called again. She answered. She's like, Clint. And he's like, Janelle? And she says, yeah. And she, he says, what happened to you? And she goes, it ain't me. It's Bridger, you know. And she said, Clint, you got to get here now. Like, he's, this thing's on him. And you got to think on his end how he's hearing all this. Sure. She doesn't say he's dead. She said this thing's on him, It's and, and, and it's he can't get away from it. It's just got a hold of his leg. His leg's stuck in its mouth and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. So Clint's like, my gosh, what is going – you know, this has got to be wild. You can imagine what was sure. going through his head. And so then she calls my brother-in-law, Brad, who's the ranch foreman here now. Mm-hmm. He was He's my father-in-law's son. So that, that succession on the ranch history sure. there, but calls him, and they're working at a camp. They were putting a roof or something on a house, and she gets a hold of him. So he drives Mach 90. He takes off, and then there's there's police coming, and, and of course, fire and EMS is on their way also. And then Clint, so Clint gets there. Clint's the first on the scene, aside from my family. Clint's the first on the scene. Um Tyler is running the buggy back and forth to the county road because we're way off the road. You know, yeah. they're like they're not going to find us. And so he's jockeying people out across there, getting them there. And then uh, they all get up there. Clint gets up there, and he starts looking and messing with it. And, again, I'm just going – I, I, can't, I can't hold it in. I can't – when sure. they start moving it, it's just – I've never felt pain anywhere near that in my life. And so he starts messing with it. And uh, he back he, – he's like, okay, i got to quit. You know, we gonna we got to get the paramedics here, yeah. EMS or whatever. And – they all get on scene finally. Anthony Burke and um, Sarah, so there was a whole bunch of them. Um, but uh, they get up there and they start fooling with it and they can't figure it out. Clint finally produces a little saw and they cut. You know how the jaw split on the bottom? There's mm-hmm. a hole in the middle. Yep. They get one side cut off. I'm, I, I'm telling them. I'm not trying to talk them through it. Like, this, do this, do that, you know, because I'm and, – and, of course, they didn't need me telling them, I'm sure. But Clint gets through one side. But when he's sawing, it's gyrating that thing's head. And it's just – I'm just going – I'm biting like I'm finding sticks and stuff because I'm yeah. thinking my kids are hearing this and I gotta be quiet, you know. Right. I'm stressing them worse, and so I'm, we're doing all that. My brother-in-law shows up. He's kind of just watching. Not one of those guys at the time was qualified to give any medicine. I've never want. I hate pain meds. I hate all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like medicine of any kind. I wanted a shot of something bad. Not one of them had the qualifications to give any kind of shot, morphine or anything right. like that. So I had to just take all that. But they messed with it and messed with it. And then they were talking, you know, different things. And finally, my brother-in-law, he's super quiet, super reserved. They're like, they said, well, we've, we're going to have to try to take him and the bear off the mountain at the same time. And he's like, you're going to, Brad speaks up. And I remember, he's like, you're going to tear his leg off. It's going to rip his leg off. Or it's going to tear the rest of that artery out. He's, that ain't going to be good. He's, he, he's, he finally, like, cleared it away. And he's, he, he takes my knife and he scores its head off. So he cuts it down to the bone there. And then they finally are able to dig in there at the atlas joint. Right. And they finally got the head detached. How long did it take They they got the body detached, and then they had to move the head. And they're like, all right, so now – so we're an hour and a half into this. An hour and a half. So he's full rigor mortis, right? His jaw is so clamped. You know how how they get I mean, you can't move. Jaws are the first thing to go to rigor mortis. I didn't know that. But, yeah, he's he's locked up. So now they're trying to pull in. They actually had to do a little cutting back there Mm -hmm. on me. But they had, it was that or not get that thing's sure. head off. But I'll never forget, I heard a big thwack, you know, like something hit the ground. And they go, okay, it's off. I, it was zero relief. I kept just dreaming, laying there just praying, like, to go to sleep. Or, and I would try to go to sleep. I would literally, I, it, like, almost meditating, like I was mm-hmm. trying to go somewhere else to get away from that pain. And um, every time I would act like I was kind of asleep or, you know, i just have my eyes shut. And I would try to be just as still as I could. My wife starts screaming at me. Don't go to sleep, you know, because in those oh, situations, yeah. you're not supposed to let someone go to sleep. or That's mm-hmm. what we're always told. She would get after me, you know. I hear the head come off. There's no relief. 
none. I can't even tell they got it off. Mm -hmm. It's just so much pain, it's unreal. Not as bad as when they were jerking on it, but it's not any relief. So they, they get me turned over. They've got me tourniqueted. They've got, um, you know, they bandaged some stuff up there. Um, they get me on the, uh, they have a, like a mountain gurney, they call it. Yep. It's this real lightweight mm -hmm. thing. So there's like four, six of them or something get on there. And there's some other cowboys have showed up now. My sister-in-law's there with all their kids. Little they Rachel that you met. Got you strapped to the board. Yeah, they're all in the bottom. They're not sure. with us, but then they go walking on. I'll never forget one of those guys. I kept, I start telling them, I said, watch the cactus, because they're kind of stumbling going off the hill. And one of those guys, the, the one of the paramedics, I don't remember his name, he fell flat into a big old pear cactus. Uh. And as he stood up, and they start carrying me again. I'm reaching over and I'm pulling thorns out of his butt because <laughs> he's just he looks like a porcupine. You know, right. he just sat in a giant grove of pear. You know, sure. So they take me down off the hill and there's a. They start talking and I can actually hear it. There's a helo coming in and it dawns on me they've called a life flight in. Well, that same Mesa Blosser, January before this July. There was a helicopter crash up there that I hiked up and had to find. Hmm. Nobody could find it. It was in the middle of the night. Five people died. Two of them right kind of in my hands, and the others were burned. Today. It was something no one should have to see. Right. And I vowed right there I'd never get in a helicopter again. So now I'm already starting to argue about it. I said, I'm not getting in a helicopter. And they just kind of blow me off like they're trained to do. And right. So the ambulance was down the hill. They put me in the ambulance, and um, they land the helo right there at the edge of the mesa. And the two flight nurses get off. These are paramedics, you know, sure. like high-level paramedics, yeah. and they get off, and they start running, you know, they're, they're, they're running IV stuff. Sure. I'm arguing with her. I said, ma'am, I'm not, I'm not going to get on the helicopter. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to do that. I thought, man, I've been close enough already today, and I'm not getting big thunderheads coming in in the evening. They were going to take me to Denver and actually had to reroute to Albuquerque because they could, the storm, it, we had to wait so long there. They had to wait so long there we couldn't get to Denver. So they're messing around, and... Um, that she's running this stuff, and uh, he pokes his head in, the other flight nurse, because he's talking to the pilot. He said, we got to go now, like the pilot's hollering because the storm is moving in, mm -hmm. and he wants to be off the ground and out of here. And, I, I, and she goes, okay, I'm about done. And I said, ma'am, I just told you I'm not getting on that thing or on that helicopter. And she, said, she just said verbatim, she said, honey, you don't have a choice. And she just started sliding that juice into me. <laughs> and, and put you uh, out. It didn't knock me out, but I – It's it, like, okay. It just – yeah, it made me not – combative you know right. about it at all and so they uh they got me out of there and i'm sure i'm missing stupid details somewhere but they got me out of there and they finally loaded me on the chopper and they had to turn because they're heavy now and it's crazy i don't know how they take a real big i mean i'm six one and i i don't I, I they just barely got me in that so mm -hmm. a big dude i don't know how they'd get him in there but they got off and the pilot he knew what he was doing he's a military pilot martinez was his name he turned around and he just got it barely off the ground to start diving down into that valley just barely off the ground so everybody there was like they're going to crash that thing's fixing to crash well all he was doing is he's building forward airspeed to where he can create lift and yeah. gets up out of there that's exactly what he did but everybody watching it was thinking man he is he ain't going to make it through today yet so anyways they got me <laughs> on the helo and uh, i was horrified off and on all the way down through there uh, from the helicopter right they threw, flew me to UNM, which turned out good. They have a level one trauma center. It's the best in the Southwest, they say. Of course, Albuquerque, they get lots of practice. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it's pretty – lots of crime and stuff. But they got me there, and I remember them. I remember getting there. They landed, and they wheeled me in the hospital. And I got to see one of the ladies' pagers that work in the emergency room, and it actually said on there, incoming life flight, 
bear mauling victim or bear attack or something like that. So everybody in the hospital was there to see this. Yeah. You know, I got more than the normal crew. So you're, everybody's, you're spying on the, the pager on the... No, I saw that because a Marine buddy of mine from Albuquerque was dating that girl. That oh. was just coincidentally, and he showed me the picture of her pager, and that's what it said. So they are all... I had a huge welcoming party getting there, and then the doctors come flooding out to me, and they start poking around on my leg. And uh, I, I would just freak out because it still hurt, you know, whenever they would push on it. And they said, we, I remember them just saying, like, get prep him for surgery right now. We got to knock him out. We're not going to be able to touch this thing until we got to go into surgery anyway. Yeah. So they can see my bone and all right. the meat's hanging off the back of my leg. And um, I remember waking up and my wife was there and I'd been in surgery for four hours. They, uh, there was 35, <laughs> 35 inches of laceration. Um, it was well over 200 stitches and staples. They had to sew three layers of meat. They kind of layer it back because there's layers in your leg. Mm -hmm. They had to do that. They had to reattach my gastroc to to the bone, basically, and then my hamstring was pretty much detached. They had to reattach all that stuff and then sew all that back up there. So I was in trauma for seven days. The worst deal, the the most life-threatening thing out of the whole deal was – uh, the big rips, like on my calf and stuff mm -hmm. like that, they were big, long lacerations. That's okay because they can flush those out. They can irrigate them. For, they have literally a little pressure washer, yeah. and they blow all that out with some mm. kind of sterile chemical. And But I have these big singular bite marks in my inner thigh. And, you know, that thing's canines or what, you know, on a big bear like that, they're, what, two and a half, three inches or yeah. something. Well, he's biting, so he's crushing them down in there four inches, you know, or something like that. They sewed all those shut. They just closed those up. They flushed them best they could, and then they showed them up. And then they, I forget the name of the antibiotic they put me on, but in about a day, in about 24 hours, I start getting this red cloud spreading over my leg. So they start tracing it with a Sharpie. That sure, they literally tracing on my leg. And then by the hour, it would outgrow those lines mm -hmm. by an inch. And it's just cl like a big storm cloud building. It's just building. And I mean like roasted hog red. It was not a normal... I had never seen that. You know, you yeah, have a little like, infection. You don't have to be a doctor to look down no, at your own is, leg and say, right. this isn't right. It's like Gus on Lonesome Dove is what I, yeah. I thought of him actually. Like, and, Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, mm -hmm. it, and it starts building. Well, they can't figure it out. So there's a lot of people that are, like, checking in on me, and they're trying to see what's going on with Janelle, and I've got Game and Fish buddies. And Kyle Jackson texts my phone because Janelle was manning my phone and her phone, and he said, Make sure his team, his doctor team, calls this doctor, Dr. Joe Bergman. He's out of Bozeman. He's the foremost authority on bear attack treatment in the world. So they'll fly people from Alaska to this guy. He's mm. this, well, of course, around there they get lots They're of practice grizzly. up at yep. Yellowstone. Somebody's mauled every day right. up there. Um, so they, I, I, one of the, the teams in and out of there, they're really, really I don't know. They're not panicky. They don't ever panic, but they're really, really concerned about this. There's people in and out like all the time. They've got me at almost lethal levels of this other antibiotic that they treat a dog bite with, a mountain lion bite, any mm -hmm. kind of really deal that, that treats this and, and is effective. But they can't figure out why this infection is spreading. And so they, I tell them, you got to call this doctor. I give them the number. She writes it down. But we know how doctors can be. And here's this redneck here on the bed. Sure. Trying to tell you know, us. They're going to blow me off, right? Yeah. So in a, in a few hours, I, they come in, and I had talked. I think my wife had talked to Kyle, and Kyle said, you make dang sure they call this Bergman because he had been to workshops they do with Game and Fish people yeah. on, on treatment of this kind of stuff, right? And so I, I'm, I, one of them come in again, or the doctor or somebody, and I said, look, y'all call that doctor. They said, we've got him on the phone right now. 
we had to vet him. We had to vet him and make sure his credentials and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they've got him on the phone. So he tells them immediately, the antibiotic that I'm on, their IVing, is not, it won't treat that. So bears have this chemical uh, bacteria in their body. And I can't remember, it's, it's a 25 letter word, you know, just, I can't remember what it is, but you know how bears can be so wormy and eat yeah. rotten, disgusting mm -hmm. things, but yep. they still thrive. They have great mm -hmm. body condition where a deer or a horse or a dog, they'll die under those kind of parasite loads where a bear will thrive. This, um, bacteria that lives in their systems. No, it's not trichinosis. Okay. That's a different deal. Okay. It's just some bacteria that's in their system that allows them to go ahead and do fine yeah. under giant parasite loads. Sure. But that create. I thought infection's infection. Infection's just an infection. Well, that's not the case. There's different types of infections. That bacteria makes a whole different infection than a dog bite, a lion bite, any, anything sure. like that. Yeah. That's why they can't treat it. And he told them, he wanted to know, they, they showed him pictures. They, he wanted to know exactly how they did everything. And he said, okay, all those singular holes, you've got to open them back up. He said, that's wrong. He said, normally I talked to this doctor. I called him to thank him like six months later. He said he would have connected the dots with a scalpel. He'd have just cut them all, just filleted me open between them so he could irrigate it more and leave them open. So... He, he says, you got to get him on vancomycin. I do remember that. Yeah. And that's something it blew my doctor's minds. They're like, we can't. I mean, that stuff's lethal. And that's for like severe staph infections, if I remember mm -hmm. right. Again, I'm not a doctor. But they, they put me on that to where they have to test my blood like every four hours. Because if it goes just a tick over, it'll kill you. I mean, yeah. it's, it's wicked, wicked stuff, right? So they keep testing your blood. And they put me on this drip. And the worst thing, I still think the worst pain of the entire thing. So I'm probably over 24 hours, approaching 48 hours, they come in with a big team again and they have to take those stitches out of those singular bites. Stitches don't hurt, mm -hmm. right? Right. I mean, we've all had stitches. I pulled, pulled them out myself. Pull, pull your own stitches. Yeah. You just slide them out. Yeah, it's like, come back in 14 days and we'll take the stitches right. out. Thanks, Doc. Never right. see you again. Right. Well, let me tell you something. These sunbucks hurt. I, like, ugh. I don't know if it was just because it was so fresh or maybe because of the infection. Just the stitches... And they, they kept putting me on morphine. They give me like, I think it's two milligrams. I think you can take up to eight. After that, it'll kill you. Yeah. So you can do that. I got through the stitches. She got them pulled out. But now it's growing back together, right? It's been like 48 hours. So those wounds are already closed up. They're scabbed up and they're closing up. And she had to break those open with her fingers. And then she'd take one of those big, long Q-tip wooden handle things. And oh, she yeah. had to shove them in and out of those holes you know, three, four scrub inches it. down in my leg and scrub it to reopen, redisturb the wound so they could get them opened up and then pack them. And when she run that thing in and out of those holes in my leg, I, ca I can't, I just can't describe to you. And so I was under as much morphine as they could give me. I, I hated that stuff. I don't, it, it, but um, they just kept giving it to me until they couldn't anymore because I couldn't. I wouldn't have felt it very long. I'd have passed out. Yeah, I want, I kept, and that whole, <laughs> even on the bear deal, I want, I was like praying to pass out. Yeah. And uh, anyway, she finally got through that. So she had to, they took and then they'd pack it with like a ribbon every yeah. day. My wife had to pack it for about two weeks or three weeks after we got home. But it kept getting shallower. They got me off that. So I, finally they got me to where the infection got under control. And they got me up one time in the hospital and walk. And when I'd get up and then the blood flow would go back to the leg, it would turn like bizarre colors. Hmm. And uh, well, the big thing they figured out, though, is I, they started doing some uh, orthopedic stuff. And I had no feeling, zero. Nerve I had a little damage. bit on the bottom of my foot and uh, on, like, the front of my shin. So they did these things where they make you close your eyes and they poke you like with, a, like with an ink pen. Mm -hmm. And they, they say, well, this, is, this isn't important at this point, but he's got some severe nerve damage. 
and uh, that's right over your popliteal junction they call it where your your um, sciatic branches mm -hmm. off into your tibial and your perineal nerves which are serious serious nerves you know yeah. they control all your so you're trying to walk around you don't have any feeling in your no, feet just, so that's well they working. didn't want me putting weight on it anyways i didn't put sure. any weight i was crutching mm -hmm. but they got they wanted to get me up once yeah and so i did that and um anyways that's that's pretty much it i spent about three months in bed and um atrophy it's unreal i still don't feel like i'm i was never like a big stout guy but i mean you lose so much muscle tone it's just mm -hmm. unbelievable that was hard to kind of overcome in itself and um that's that's it pretty much i guess there's a lot of other little finite you mean you don't have any other story you haven't got a story better than that holy smoke yeah. man I'm, <laughs> seriously i have i've I, you could see it on my face i mean i'm just like hanging on every word here and, mm -hmm. and sitting on the edge of my seat i've never heard a story like that before that's crazy mm -hmm. yeah it was so, wild. I wish it wouldn't happen. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. It would I'm be sure. a cool story if it wasn't for the nerves, mm -hmm. and that's that's the stuff. I, I do fine. I ski and I can hike. I've yeah. got to have some serious Kinetrex done. An amazing job building me some custom footwear, and uh, they've been. I, I shout out to Kinetrex. Like like they're an amazing company and and um, done some great things for me. And so to hike, I got to do that. And I, I I've been through lots of surgeries since we've done nerve engraftment. None of the nerves would ever come back because they were like seven centimeters missing where he just ripped it out completely. Yeah. So that won't regenerate from that far. But the end deal, I did a tibial tendon transfer and it's just a jury rigging is all it is. They just take some tendons that are kind of working, cut them off, cut the ones that aren't working off and then they cross them over and tie them up. And they basically cinch them up to hold my foot in a neutral position. Cause I had to wear a giant AFO brace for, four years three and a half years no kidding and that brace stunk you know and yeah. you get all kinds of weird looks and, sure and i'm very self-conscious about it honestly like with a brace because you're like I, i'm like this guy that like i can't be hurt right like all of us were invincible you sure. know and then now you catch people and they're like staring at you and it wasn't a real big deal but i didn't like it at mm -hmm. all and uh, i had just an unbelievable foot drops so my foot just hung i can't twitch my toes i still can't but they've for lack of a better term sort of welded it in a in a neutral position there where I don't have to wear a brace all the time. But yeah. if I get on uneven ground, and I stuff, really I didn't, have to. you know, when we were outside and walking around here, I, I did. Yeah. Wouldn't have even noticed ground, it. Level ground's no big deal. It's just balance. Yeah. I struggle with sure. nothing reacts. You know, yeah. Your body is so intricate. And when you have stuff that's just not functioning, especially in your foot, ankle and leg, it just, uh, it, so I got, I use trekking poles where I can. I did. I used to think those were for hippie bird walkers. They're but, hippie sticks. I was, but, but now you need them. I like them. And I'll tell you, some, yeah. somebody else needs them. When you, turn, when you hit 50 years old mm -hmm. and you start closing in on that mid-50s, yep. you don't have the flexibility and stuff. So yep. when I'm carrying loads or even without a load walking through this country, yep. I used to just be able to skip through it. You know, it's just like... Dun, dun, right. dun, dun, dun. Jump from rock to rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and now it's yeah. like you're measuring every step because things don't flex and bend and it's weird. So I can only imagine what you're going through. That's right. So it, it works, and I can, I'm can. i blessed beyond belief, and um, it can always be worse. You look. Sure. I'll never forget, and I'll shut up, but the, in the hospital, whenever they told me that I had all this crazy nerve damage and, you know, nothing was ever going to be. I was lucky to have my leg. When I got on the helicopter, they told my wife, I said, He's, we would just want to prepare you. 
that the, because all the meat had gone just ashen gray, like all my muscle had, because they'd been exposed for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. you know, almost two hours. And they, they just told him, they, they told her, they said, he's, he'll probably lose his leg mm-hmm. you know, when he wakes up in Albuquerque, his leg's going to be gone. So it could have always been worse there, you know, sure. for sure. And, and, uh, so I'm laying there in bed and, uh, I'm feeling sorry for myself and, I look out and there's a car crash lady. Man, the helo comes in and out all night. Life flights, right? There were one night there were seven gunshots come into that hospital through life flight. It was unreal. Wow. Yeah, I say like I say, they get a lot of practice, but mm-hmm. there was a lady come walking down the hall and like in her mid thirties that her leg was gone from the thigh down because of the uh, car crash. Yeah. And I thought, you miserable son of a gun, you know, you can't you, don't be feeling sorry for yourself, you know, because right. somebody's always got it a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So in the great grand scheme of things, I'm fine. I'm totally well, you guys, fine. Do you do the Freedom Hunters events here? We do. Yeah, we have and we do in, so in you've Colorado. Had, so yeah. you've had veterans here. Yeah, double amputees yeah. and things like that. So that's really so gives easy. You some, gives you some Yeah. And they've got great attitudes, you know. Yeah. About it. And like I say, I've, ultimately I've got my family. Sure. You know, which is, you know, I'm a rich man, you know, by that standard. That's how I see that. So, um, yeah, it's it's been quite a ride, you know. And it, there's been a lot of adverse things with it, too. Sure. But, but um, the medicine, the gabapentin for the nerve pain changed me. Like my family, it caused problems actually because my poor wife, she's like, I mean, she's got her spot niched out in heaven, no doubt, just from <laughs> hell here on earth, like the Marty Robbins song. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but uh, it it does a lot with your nervous system to reroute things to where you don't feel that. That nerve pain was incredible. Like every night, it would just go to just. It felt like somebody was screwing a screw into the side of your foot. And, um, it would, it, but that, that stuff is crazy that, that, and it, yeah, it just mentally, I'd start crying at the drop of a hat or I would get violently mad or there was just, there was, I was super unstable. I've heard, I've heard weird stuff about gabapentin. And it wasn't the bear deal. So much like the PTSD type thing they talk about or what, what, so much of that. I don't mean that. Like it was, I thought something like that was related, but it was once I was able, and you got to wean yourself off that. It takes a period of weeks. It's, it's crazy stuff, Hmm. wicked side effects. Yeah. And I don't feel like it helped that much anyways, but I was at the point, I don't care about the pain. I, I got to get off of this stuff. And it's not like an opiate. It's not an addictive thing at all, it, at all. It's not like you get high from sure. it, but it was, it was just not, hmm. it was terrible for me. So yeah, they, been a, been a wild few well, years. Well, Bridger, I'm going to tell you what, man, I don't know how we're ever going to top a story like that on this podcast. That was, uh, that was outstanding. It was amazing. I appreciate you taking time. Yeah. You're a busy guy. Yeah. We've been trying to play phone tag for the t- last 10 days, trying to get this lined up. And, you bet. and uh, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're still, you know, you're still getting after it and, and um, still got the lion dogs anyway. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. That we, side of we it. We go. It was rough catching the first bear. Me and John went up in Colorado. And, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. It was like hearing everything treed and all that stuff. And like, it, it was, a. and I put my hands on the first one, the first one of the fall we killed that next fall. It was a big old <clears throat> nasty bear. Yeah. Boar missing like an ear, you know, and bait on the ground and he was baiting a willow thicket. So I don't mean a little thick. I mean, yeah, bad thick. And yeah, it was really hard to overcome that. You know, like, I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult. But I got to where I, I, they still scare me a lot more than I have more respect for them than I do. Mm-hmm. Lions still didn't don't bother me, you know. Like, but the bears was different, sure for sure. So we get we I, I definitely hunted lots and lots of bears since then. So yeah, that, a lot of people think that's why I I've slowed down on the hound hunting deal with the bears, but it has nothing to do with it. I hunted them for four years after that or three years after sure. that, and so it's just 
the turn life's taken, I guess, yeah. right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm going to – let's – you're about ready to wrap this up. You got a Whatever. bunch of – Whatever, yeah, bunch of I little, need to – Got a bunch of kids yeah. running around here. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Again, I can't tell you how how grateful I am for you carving out time out of your busy schedule, yeah. Bridger. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we got Bridger Petrini, and we're sitting at the Teal Ranch headquarters, and we just heard yeah. the ep- most epic story I've ever heard. Huh. And uh, so thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Make sure you check out all of our gear over on our uh, website at houndsmanxp.com. T-shirts, hats, decals, all that kind of stuff is right there. Check out our sponsors and make sure you uh, are supporting them as well because they support us. And we are the voice for Fair Chase Houndsman. Thanks for listening to the Houndsman XP podcast. This is Fair Chase.